Welcome to Artelligence, the podcast of art news, art in America, and Art Market Monitor. I'm Marion Maneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art world. Today we're speaking with Michael Steib, the CEO of Artsy. Steib joined Artsy from TheKnot.com in July of 2019. This interview is brought to you by the Macallan, the world's most celebrated single malt whiskey, which is powered by a dedication to mastery. Mike, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Marion, thank you. You know, I'm a big fan of yours and the, and the whole team. and I've been looking forward to doing this. So I was hoping you could just walk us through a little bit. You um, have now actually been working longer in lockdown than you did at Artsy, uh, you know, since you arrived. So uh, it seems to me like Artsy has been a, a net gainer in all of this because the uh, rest of the art world has been shut, but you've remained open. And I'm, I was hoping you could give us a broader overview of how the business has changed over the last, what, 11 months. Sure, Marion. Um, as you know, and I just sort of remind folks who are watching this, what Artsy has set out to make the art world more open and transparent and welcoming to a much larger audience to bring more collectors into the art world to ultimately drive more revenue to galleries and to auction houses and to help help more artists make a living. And in doing that, we've set out to do three things. One is to bring all of the art together into, into one place to make it easy for a collector to find what they're looking for. Secondly, to better match collectors with art that they may love, make it easier for them to discover new artists and, and, and find the works of art that are going to bring them bring them joy in life and and then finally make it easy and joyful and friction free to transact to be able to click a button to have that art show up in their home and and be ready to be enjoyed and in the context of covid while covid is not, has not been good in the big picture for anyone there have at least been some positive byproducts of covid for the art world and one is that the art world has embraced transparency in a bigger way. It's something that uh, Artsy has been, has been supporting and encouraging for a very long time. Uh, we now see that the vast majority of the works that we add to Artsy every month are being added with public pricing, something that was unthinkable three or four years ago in the art world. Uh, we're now adding a large percentage of the inventory that we're bringing onto Artsy every month is enabled for on-platform transaction something that was very foreign to the art world even just a couple of years ago. And, and galleries in particular, I think have seen um, first out of necessity, how they can connect with their collectors and a broader audience of collectors online and tripled the percentage of their revenue that was earned online. And now what I hear from every gallery we talk to is that this is a key pillar of their ongoing strategy to grow their market into to grow the market for their artists. So they uh, have seen their sales drop. I think you cited some statistics by about a third. You mean that from their overall business, while the proportion that they're selling through you has risen? The percentage of revenue generated by galleries from any online mechanism has tripled in the last year. Artsy is, is, the, is the largest, most common way that art galleries reach their collectors online. But others also do it through, for instance, their own online viewing rooms. They've been doing it through their fair partnerships, and they do it through their websites and direct connections to their collectors. And you have fair partnerships as well, and you've developed some new ways for people to sell. You mentioned the um, one-click uh, buying. Uh, what are some of the other ways that you, I mean, maybe you could actually 
explain a couple of those and then we can talk about what other ways there are? Sure. So when a work of art comes on on Artsy, it's sort of in, in the original iteration of Artsy, someone who may have known Artsy five years ago would have found hundreds of thousands of works of art. And then to collect those works, to buy those works, you had to contact the gallery separately. And what we found is that in those engagements between collectors and galleries, the back and forth took on average a month before the gallery got to a successful transaction. And the drop-off the drop rates were very high. And this, you know, art is often bought in a moment of passion. And you know, the first rule of e-commerce is that you never slow down, you never add friction to a transaction when you're in this, when, you, when you're in a moment of passion. So what we've been working on really hard the last couple of years is partnering with our gallery partners to get those artworks enabled for a transaction on platform. So now collectors have the option. They can still reach out to the gallery directly. They often have questions or want to get to know the gallerist better or get to know the artist better. Secondly, they can click a button to make an offer on a work of art. Or thirdly, they can click a button to, to buy it instantly. And it's up to the gallery which of those they want to enable. What our gallery partners have found is that when they use the buy now and make offer capabilities, the conversion rates are four to six times higher than when they don't have those capabilities. And do you help them with the pricing? You mentioned transparency or, or earlier. I'm assuming that you have a fair amount of data on what are the right price points to actually get someone to convert into a purchase. Today, the galleries are the best judge of where they should be pricing their artists' work in the market, and we are we are recipients of that data. But Marion, you're in the, the direction you're going is very much the direction that we're thinking, which is artsy by nature of touching now two million registered art collectors, a million who've downloaded our app. We have over a million works of art on the platform. And every day, we're getting all of these signals about demand that range from people searching for an artist, to favoriting an artist, to contacting the gallery and seeking to buy that artist. And with these demand signals, we're able to set, tell a lot more to the sellers and to the buyers. So something we're working on productizing now, and you'll see it really soon, is CRISPR insights for collectors and galleries around uh, around works of art and around artists and the and the demand for those artists. And it can range from something as simple as uh, results in the secondary market through that are public transactions to things that are more subtle or more unique uh, to artsy, such as uh, demand indicators that we get through searches and favorites and uh, and collector behavior on the site. And for those who read uh, read Artsy's editorial, we've started to leverage that that big data that we have access to in the reporting we're doing back to our to to our collectors and to our galleries, so that they have a sense for who's really emerging this month on Artsy and and so on. But if I'm a secondary gallerist selling work by an artist that other galleries also sell, and they're putting it up for one click, is that information available to me? Uh, either in a mediated way or a direct way about, you know, what prices sell be better and all? Or is that just something that you, you need the galleries to be able to sort of feel like they've got a little bit of um, privacy around their own transaction? The galleries are, are increasingly listing their price and making the price available for buy now, the buy now make offer functionality. The galleries are not looking to us today to tell them where they should price it. Uh, what's nice about the increasing visibility and transparency of prices on Artsy is that the galleries themselves can go online 
and can see where the artworks are being are being uh, priced by secondary market galleries, and they can see where those artworks are transacting uh, when they when they transact at auctions. And that's it's all available right there in the Art2 app. And your business, uh, at least a, a year or so ago, was primarily built on uh, gallery memberships. Uh, you know the, the 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 marketing platform and the size of the marketing platform the gallery was um, uh, uh, paying for has that changed or is that still the the sort of primary source of revenue? We have a we have a hybrid model now, so our galleries can choose. There's a subscription price to be on Artsy, and that subscription price is set based on historical and forecasted demand for the roster of artists that the gallery brings and the historical behavior on on our platform. And then secondly, there's a there's an e-commerce commission and galleries have some choices to increase or decrease subscriptions while increasing or decreasing commissions. And it's essentially a, it, it leans more toward in some galleries who would prefer to transact their inquiry and are gonna lean harder therefore into the subscription partnership. And we have galleries who are finding that they, they do much better when they lean into on-platform transactions. We're seeing the same. And there they align the success of the artist the gallery and artsy and the collector all around a successful transaction being the way that the way that they have to pay artsy and the way that artsy generates revenue. And you, the subscription sounds like it's almost like a metered model. The amount of uh, it's not bandwidth, but you know the amount of traffic uh, and and the number of works and and so on. Is the um, commission also based on sort of uh, volume? Is it a sliding scale or is it just a, f a flat rate commission? The commissions also vary depending upon the price points and the subscription rates that the that the galleries choose to to pay. So the gallery is in control where they have the option to pay more in subscription or in commissions, depending on the way that they want to use the Artsy platform. For us, what we're trying to do at Artsy is there's a there's a fair take rate for bringing demand to our gallery partners. And we want to set that take rate in a way where it meets the gallery where they are and in the way that they want to engage our collectors and the way that they want to transact their works online. Uh, forgive me, but I think that that's a big breakthrough. You know, Artsy's been in this business for a number of years and initially wanted to be uh, uh, in some sort of a commission uh, business, but it always had a, problems with the galleries uh, accepting that. And it sounds like through either the necessity of the last year um, or just a uh, more comfort that you've been actually able to make a, a breakthrough with them and get uh, them to understand. I, I, I think you put it very well, a, a fair take rate, something that they know what they're paying for and they know the best way to pay it, whatever the formula they come up with. That's right, Marion. For us, look, the most important thing is we want more people buying more art. And what we found is that when we take the friction out of the transaction, when you can, you can do everything from know your customer to the click to buy functionality to having your purchase backed by 100% RT guarantee. It gives the collector much more comfort and it empowers them to make that transaction in, in, the, in the moment when they fell in love with a piece of art. And every extra step or every extra day that you add to a process like that will reduce your conversion rates significantly. So for us, the thing that we, we, we sincerely believe, we strongly believe is in the best interest of the art world is to remove that friction so that more people can buy more easily. We see it in our numbers. We see it in the, in the data that we share with our galleries. People buy more art when you make it easier for them to buy that art. So for us, 
we're really encouraging our gallery partners to transact, to transact online, to take advantage of that, to take advantage of those moments of passion when collectors open up their app and find something that they love. At the same time, as, sort of the, as I noted before, we do still want to meet our galleries where they are. And some galleries would prefer to pay on, a, on more of a subscription basis and some on more of a commission basis. Some want to enable some of their works of art to transact online and other works, they, they require an inquiry. And we're flexible around that because ultimately the gallery knows what's going to work for their artists and, and how they want to do business. And, and we want to be a marketplace that's welcoming of, of all the galleries and, and, and their approach. You know, lowering the barrier uh, was a key idea that, that Alfred Taubman had uh, when he um, first got into the mall business, uh, actually even the retail bi business. His whole theory was threshold resistance and lowering the barrier to someone walking in and making a transaction. Uh, uh, and he brought that to Sotheby's, you know, when he bought the, the company many years ago. And this is all before the online revolution. But, it, you know, it has been part of the art world, making it more accessible, connecting directly to the buyer rather than through, uh, you know, wholesalers and uh, middlemen of, of one sort or another. And it, it seems to me that, you know, the idea that art isn't sold online somewhat misses the point that there have been all sorts of intermediaries who've been buying and selling works of art, especially at the highest end of the market, uh, uh, via email and JPEGs for 15 or 20 years now. And, and, and the difference isn't so much whether it's digital or not. You can argue whether that's, you know, buying and selling over the telephone is digital or, uh, or not. But the difference is buying from someone you have a relationship with or some level of, of trust. And, and it seems to me part of what you're describing here is that as the platform becomes more ingrained in the way people behave, they develop relationships. And I'm assuming if you buy once from a gallery, you're more likely to buy from them again in the future. Yeah, that's right, Mary. We actually, we see these, we see these three, if you would, these the, the three legs of, of, of loyalty that develop when someone transacts on Artsy. The first, they've brought an artist into their life. And what we find is that people behave in the future in a way that reflects a deep passion for that artist. They shop that artist again, they buy that artist, they engage with content about that artist. Once someone has, has brought an artist into their home, it's a, it's a big commitment and, it's, a, and it's, it's something that's important to their life. And so we find that first that the, the, the collector forms loyalty, forms a bond with, uh, with that artist. When we, when we do collector research, one of the things we find everyone does is not only do they buy the work, they also go and follow the artist on Instagram and they wanna see what's going on in her life. They, it is a, it's, it's a relationship um, that's much deeper than a relationship people form when they buy anything else on the internet. Secondly, they form a loyalty and a connection with the gallery. If you've bought something from a gallery and it's gone well, and that gallery represents an artist with whom you now have a deep relationship, we do find it's not uncommon for a collector to start with a gallery on Artsy and make subsequent transactions directly with that gallery that did not necessarily involve Artsy. And we don't see that as a bad thing. We see that as a good thing. We have, we have made a connection between two people who have a love for the same artist and, and we've helped to grow that artist's career. And it's, that's to us a very positive outcome. But finally, when people discover that artist and they discover that gallery on Artsy, they're also coming back to Artsy because Artsy is also able to tell them here are other artists like the artist who you enjoyed. We've been able to take into account what you've looked at and what you favorited and the budget that you seem to, to bring to your, your art collecting. 
And we found these other works you'd like. And then we curate. And then we work with 100 art fairs. And we work with dozens of auction houses. And we're able to bring all of these sources of supply and inspiration to you as a collector. And I think it's very natural. We, we do not see a future art world where artsy is the one way and the one place where people collect art. People are going to form these close connections with their galleries. People are always going to love going to art fairs as soon as we're allowed to do it again. And in between those moments, the place where people are going to come and spend all their time, I believe, is on, on art. But you're also adding other ways for people to transact that isn't just developing a gallery relationship. You, you have a, a form of auctions that I, I think is allowing people effectively to, to sell their works to you know, any of a group of people who are on your platform, not necessarily through an auction house or through a, a dealer. And you also, I, I keep seeing you, uh, advertising for uh, advisors uh, or people who do sa sales, um, you know, in sort of a high-touch way. I presume you're also the platform can provide the things you just described in a, um, you know, by emails, by, by alerts, and all. But it seems that you're also doing the high-touch aspect, which is you have either advisors or salespeople who help develop a relationship with with clients is that uh, correct so we've been, you know the last few years we've built auction capabilities that are it has been on artsy the most the, the most popular way for people to transact art there is just something about the work of art being um, priced and available for sale and people see the other bids coming in and there's an excitement and there's a there, there's a there's an animal energy that goes into bidding at something at auction We've historically used those tools for, uh, we had historically used those tools exclusively for our auction house partners. We work with folks like Phillips and Bonhams and dozens of others who either run art auctions exclusively on Artsy or they simulcast auctions that are happening in the physical world or happening on their digital channels on Artsy at the same time to reach a broader audience. And we help our collectors manage their, their discovery and their bidding and ultimately their, their transacting across all those different auctions at once. We then took that auction capability and we had heard this from a lot of our gallery partners. They wanted to participate in auctions. They didn't have the technical capabilities to do it themselves. So we opened up the auction platform to galleries as well. And now we have, on a, on, we will sometimes work with a gallery to run an auction just for their works. Sometimes we work with a gallery um, or a bunch of galleries to run an auction for a mix of works across galleries. Finally, we have collectors who've enjoyed the low friction digital experience of buying art on Artsy. And we heard this loudly from our collectors that they wanted to have similarly a digital experience for selling their works of art. So we built this product that allows a collector now to take a picture of a piece of work a piece of art with her phone, upload it to Artsy, receive, uh, receive bids from auction houses and galleries all in one place, and offers to include their works of art in some of the auctions that are coming up on Artsy. And because we do it all digitally, we can do it much faster. So we can have offers to a collector in a day or two, and we can have the work sold in a week or two. And we're able to do that because with a, with a digital supply chain, if you would, with a low friction digital experience for the seller, things can move much faster. And we can get a seller who wants to sell a work of art, we can get them their cash much more quickly. And on the other side of the transaction is someone who loved that artist who now gets to bring that artist into their home. Hi, it's Marion. 
Just dropping in to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by the Macallan, the world's most celebrated single malt whiskey, which is powered by a dedication to mastery. Now, let's get back to the interview. So you're describing much of what you did at The Knot, creating a double-sided marketplace. And I presume that's sort of the goal, is to keep enhancing the tools for each side of the marketplace, the discovery tools for the uh, buyers and the various selling tools for um, the merchants or the, the, the dealers in the, this case. But do you have uh, uh, sort of goals beyond that? Are you interested in getting into actually sort of uh, selling works yourself? I mean, sort of moving through the, the, the supply chain in a different way? Marion, if, if by that, one of the things I get asked a lot is if we want to work with artists directly instead of working with galleries. The answer is no, the galleries, uh, it's important as a, to know what you're good at as a company we're good at building these digital experiences and connecting people to the art they're going to love. We are not the tastemakers. We're not the people who are going to go out and pick the next artist. That's what the galleries are so good at. And part of a big part of what gives art its value is that it has gone, the artists have gone through this process of being selected by galleries who have this, this, who have the taste, who have the nose for what's really going to be special and really shape our culture. And that all the works on art on Artsy are from these respected established galleries is I think what makes the Artsy experience trusted and special. So in that regard, sort of we, there are some marketplaces that set out to be a marketplace that eliminates what they would consider the inefficiency of middlemen in an industry. We don't look at the art world that way. The, the, The middlemen, if you would, I hate to use the phrase, but the middlemen are high value added partners in the art ecosystem. We're just trying to take out the friction. What I found most attractive about the art world, other than just how wonderful the art world is and just how much fun the art world is, as a business, the industry is so much smaller than it should be. You think about the 17 million high net worth individuals around the world who hold almost $50 trillion of wealth which is enough money for millions and millions of artists to make a really good living. There is enough resource on the sideline in this industry to support an art industry that is 10 or 20 times the size it is today. But only 0.2% of those high net worth individuals transacted art in the last 12 months. They buy in total, primary and secondary, only $50 billion worth of art a year, but $500 billion worth of luxury cars, a trillion dollars worth of luxury jewelry, and over a trillion dollars worth of luxury fashion. Those people are buying depreciating mass-produced products whose dollars ultimately go to a wealthy shareholder on the other side when they could be buying unique, original, important art that every time they, they buy it, they're supporting the work of a living artist and they're making the world a better place. Shifting those dollars into the art world to me is the massive, massive opportunity of, you know, for Artsy, but for the art world more broadly. And that's what I'm really excited about. And when you talk to people who don't hesitate to buy a $130,000 car and yet don't buy art and you ask why, they don't, they, they don't know where to start. They don't know if they're buying the right stuff. 
They don't know if they if buying that painting will make them look smart or make them look like a schmuck. And no one wants to wants to write a big check for something that might make them look foolish. And our thesis here is that removing the friction, building trust by bringing people the artworks from the world's leading galleries, organizing it around 100 art fairs a year, which just adds so much credibility to that, to, to the shopping and to the transaction. And then sharing with those collectors, this combination of content that we create and data and insights that is uniquely available from Artsy because we have all of this shopping data on Artsy. We know how people are behaving. We know what artists are emerging. We know what's going on in the secondary market. When you can provide someone who's accustomed to being an intelligent decision maker with those kinds of insights, then that person can feel like an intelligent decision maker in the art world. And then the art world can get much, much bigger. And that's, that is the, the ultimate North Star here of Marion of what, we're, what we really want to achieve for, for the art world and for our galleries and for, our, for the artists that they, that they support. Well, many people would say that the um, great expansion in the art world took place because of the growth of art fairs. Uh, over you know the 20 years uh, since the turn of the century, uh, to the point where people were talking about you know art fair fatigue and there being too many either for the collectors to go to or for the galleries to you know uh, sufficiently stock, attend, and uh, uh, control their costs. It, it does seem to me that. And, and I know you partner with art fairs, and I want to uh, hear a little bit more about that. But it also seems to me like you know the art fairs have been closed for the last year, and near as we can project, sitting here in February of 2021, it'll be another six months before uh, 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 the first shot at an art, a real art fair opening up. Some are scheduled for July and all, but I think you know people are are, are still somewhat hesitant uh, uh, about that. So having been shut for a year and a quarter, maybe a year and a half, uh, and recognizing that fatigue, is there a sense that the art fairs are now uh, sort of in reorganization and that your relationships with both galleries and collectors uh, might, if, if not supersede that, at least sort of play a role in reorganizing what art fairs do and how they uh, perform in the future? You know, one thing we're hearing very clearly from collectors is that they, they miss their art fairs. So I'm, as much as I'm the, the digital person, if you would, in these, in these art world uh, conversations, as much as anyone, I cannot wait to go to Freeze and Art Basel, et cetera. Like, be, being with the people who you like in the physical world around a topic that we all, that, that we all have a passion for is something that's gonna continue for a very, very long time. Now, there are many, many art fairs and even the most impassioned collector just can't go to every single art fair. It's logistically impossible. And you can go to virtually every single art fair in the world on Artsy. And so in between those trips that people make in the physical world, when this whole situation is over and we're, we're back to flying to Basel and to Hong Kong and LA and New York and so on, there's still all the time in between. And what I want to make sure is that every collector or aspiring collector has the chance to see what's going on at every art fair, engage with the art that's available at every art fair, and then click the button to buy the works from each of those art from each of the galleries who are showing at those art fairs. And Artsy, just in, you know, today we we work with about a hundred art fairs. In the last year, we've worked with a lot of them as their online exclusive partners, and because of the nature of 
of COVID as the, the exclusive place where those art fairs could be found. And a number of our art fair partners found traffic, lead, and purchase volume up over 10x on Artsy versus years past. Some of that is because there was no way to go there in the physical world, but also because we are creating new behaviors uh, and new interests among collectors to find these works and to buy them and to buy them online. And so when we're able to organize it around, sometimes it's just a gallery show. Sometimes it's around an auction. Sometimes it's around an art fair. Each of these is a different door through which we can bring collectors um, into and back into the art world and generate desire and help to help to sell more art. But, but why not just um, take full control of it and set up a tent in uh, a city you think's underserved and have an artsy art fair in a, the place and time you're choosing that you know you can both get the galleries and the um, collectors to attend? I wanna be in the business of solving problems that other people are not better at solving. Like the art fair problem has been solved. There are companies, there are organizations who are excellent at throwing art fairs and selecting the galleries who will be the right fit for it and putting on a big a big time. There's not a single person who works at Artsy Marion who even knows where to buy a tent. So this is not the place where we are going to be adding value to the art world. The way that we can add value is we can aggregate a million works of art and make them transactable and give you a friction-free buying and selling experience in one place. And it can be, I mean, today, today there are over 150,000 people shopping works of art in Artsy's marketplace, looking, clicking, and buying. And that is, that's what we're able to do uniquely. And that's where, that's where you're going to see us focused for a very, very long time to come. You mentioned earlier that collectors um, become attached to the Instagram of artists that they acquire, which sort of reminds me of the, the old artist dinner or the studio visit. And everyone wants to feel like, you know, they're buying art from someone that they like or think is interesting. But it also reminds me that, um, you know, Instagram has become a very important part of the art world. It's not really built for what the art world needs, but it, it has de facto, I guess because it's image-based and, and all, uh, been the platform for many people, both in the art world, but also people who want to bypass the art world. People, you know, there are many artists out there selling directly uh, off of Instagram. They have no desire in getting a gallery and they're doing quite well uh, uh, for themselves uh, that way. Um, is there, and I'm, I noticed in your uh, letter to your shareholders, you were talking about your, your mobile roadmap. Does that roadmap include kind of um, enhancing the experience to offer some sort of a more tailor-made to artists and collectors version, I'm not gonna say a version of Instagram, but to, to solve some of those problems. You just said earlier, you wanna solve the problems you're good at solving. It seems to me you've shown you can solve some important problems in the sort of gallery world. Are there other problems in the art world, but not necessarily specific to galleries that you guys think you can solve? One of the things that Instagram solves or addresses in the art world is the desire of the collector to get to know the artist better. I think once you have, once you've fallen in love with an artist, your, your desire to know who they are and what they've done and what they're doing next is, is almost insatiable. And so one of the things that we're really focused on is providing more of that information. We have a big team that's, that is focused on information about the artist working in collaboration with the gallery to give the collector more insights 
and more understanding of who this artist is. And, um, and, I, and that's, I mean, that, that, that's a big part of what is what makes RT special. And I think what will continue to make RT special in the future is that we're, we're rich with that information. To Instagram specifically, it's also it's it's just a place where people spend a lot of their time, and we want to be we want to be mindful of that. So we're shipping a feature, I think it's this week, that facilitates when you find a work of art on RT that you really like, quickly adding it to your Instagram stories. It's a way for us to make sure that what you're doing and how you're engaging with the art world on Artsy can make it out into that broader Instagram ecosystem and then come back in. Um, that's I mean, just a, it's a small example, but I think Instagram is going to continue to be and social media more broadly, an important way that people get to know their artists and form a deeper connection with artists. And I think probably it's a, it's a positive for the art world. So, so in other words, uh, in, in internet speak, you're using Instagram social graph, uh, the way other companies use Twitter so, social graph or Facebook so, social graph, rather than trying to build something yourself that would compete with that or draw away from it. We don't have ambitions to try to build our own Instagram or compete with Instagram. It's, it's, it's a, the thing that we're going to be really good at is getting all the art in one place and making it easy for people to transact it. People are going to spend a lot of time on Instagram. And when they're on Instagram, they want to share with their friends what interests them and what they love. And they want to hear the same from their friends. And we want more of that conversation to be about art. And so the things that you'll see Artsy invest in as they pretend to, pertain to Instagram is just ensuring there's no friction between being on Artsy and getting content out on Instagram and back. And that is, it's just another way for people to signal their love for art and indirectly encourage it in others. And it, that's a good thing for the art world and, and then indirectly a good thing, I think, for Artsy. So uh, the, the luxury space has become important to the auction houses. And that includes, you know, everything from wine and spirits to handbags to uh, a design and uh, jewelry and so, so forth. Uh, and you have a lot of similarities with First Dibs, which is kind of the, the leading double-sided marketplace in design, furniture, now more uh, fashion and other uh, uh, things. Uh, it seems to me you're complementary businesses, but also, and and the growth of both of you helps sort of convert more people. And as you talked about earlier, raise uh, uh, the the size of the market uh, to something bigger. But it also suggests that those are the kinds of objects you might want to, um, you know, uh, support in the future. I, I don't know whether that that is is something you you know it, as you look towards the future and and future growth where where you'll get it by get, getting different classes of objects or whether it's by sticking with art and being able to um, you know sort of uh, grow the art market. Mary and I I sincerely believe that we can 10x the size of the art market. I know so many people. We both know so many people who have the means and the curiosity and the interest to buy more art and something keeps them out. Something in their, they're insecure about their art purchasers or they're he hesitant or they just don't feel like they have time to go gallery to gallery or go to the art fairs. And you're gonna see us spend many years solving that problem. And as we, as we solve that problem, the art world gets bigger, the online art world gets bigger and there's just a ton of value for us to create in that way. So I, I think that's, I, first dibs is, is terrific and I've used it I've used it personally a number of times for what first dibs does but for us there's just so many more problems that we want to solve for the world as it pertains to art that that's 
that's our focus. So in preparing for this, I was um, reading over the weekend uh, Benedict Evans' uh, uh, newsletter, and I came across a quote from uh, Evans, who tends to be somewhat gnostic, but often very smart about things related to the internet and all, that oddly I thought applied to the art world, but I just wanted to read it to you for a second. The internet lets you live in Wisconsin and buy anything in New York, but it doesn't let you shop the way you could shop in New York. And, and it, it seems to me the same sort of thing is true here. The internet allows you to access to art uh, from all over the world, but it doesn't give you either the same art fair experience or more importantly, the same gallery experience. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that that's a bad thing uh, a, a, at all. Uh, and I think you've sort of partially answered this by sa saying you want to keep deepening the experience uh, and all. But I was, you know, really wanted to raise it to get your take on what's the difference between the uh, artsy experience and the rest of the art world experience, whether the, it's the auction or the dealer experience. Well, first, I, th I think the Ben Evans quote is is right on. And there are, for a lot of people, it's often a real joyful experience to go shopping, as he's suggested in his quote. And I think for you and me and for many of our friends, for the whole art world, to go to an art fair or to take a Saturday and stroll through the, through the galleries is a real pleasure. And that solves a particular need that human beings have. It's a need to engage with art in the physical world. It's a need to get out and get some fresh air and walk around. It's a need to see other people who you like and whose who's points of view you enjoy. And I don't, we're building an amazing app, but it's not meant to be a substitute for that. What our, what our app is going to solve is something that can't be solved in the physical world, giving you the option to select among a million works of art in one place, giving you the option to click a button and seamlessly transact that art giving you the opportunity to leverage 10 years of software development, data collection, and algorithm development that connects you to works of art that you never would have found otherwise. Because of what we know about the artist, the art, your behavior, and other collectors' behaviors, that you can come to the Artsy app and in seconds, in seconds, be introduced to an artist or a work of art that you may never have discovered in your whole life in the physical world. That's what Artsy is going to add to the and continue to add to the to the art world. It won't replace art fairs. It won't replace going to galleries in the physical world. For people who enjoy going and sitting in an auction and raising a paddle, there's not, it's not a substitute for that either. It is a substitute for giving you access a massive, massive amount of supply, insight, and then really joyful discovery and friction-free transaction. Finally, tell me a little bit about well, who your boss is and what your boss is, uh, wants. I mean, it's a, you're, a, you're a private company, uh, has raised a fair bit of money, uh, and I presume uh, as you grow, you will either be able to fund it from your, your current revenue or you'll raise some more m money. But does that mean the people who have invested in Artsy are looking for a financial return? Are they looking for the growth of the art market? Uh, what, what, are, what are their goals? Over the last 10 years, uh, private equity institutions, venture capitalists, and, uh, and individuals have invested their own money into Artsy for two reasons. 
Um, one, because they, they're looking for financial returns when they make an investment. But secondly, in every case, they are big believers in the power of art and the, and the untapped potential in the art world. And so what we, what we owe those investors is, first of all, we, we, we owe them decent financial returns, and I'm very confident they're going to get that. Um, but more importantly, what we owe them is what we owe the art world, which is a much bigger, more open, transparent, and friction-free art world that, that rivals the trillion-dollar industries that people are spending their money on when they're not spending money on art. And when, we, when we've done that, sort of the, the financial success for our investors will be a byproduct of that. It will be, it'll be a byproduct. Uh, what's really going to matter is that we've transformed the art world. That's what's going to create exciting outcomes for our business partners, for the artists that they serve, for collectors, and arts will do just fine as a result. And you, you've been there a, a year and a half now. It's uh, a year and a half, but in fairness, it was, a, it was a COVID year. So it's been like 15 years now. Oh, I guess that's what you answered my question. I was going to ask you, how's it going? I mean, is this where you thought you would be a year and a half into this? Certainly, none of us thought you and I would be taking these calls remotely on a, on a Monday. But putting that aside, the progress that the team has been able to make for Artsy, despite all of the challenges of the last year, I think have been really remarkable, really remarkable. We went from all sitting in you know, one, of, one of three offices together not seeing each other in the physical world for a year. And the collaboration and the velocity has just been, it's been remarkable. It's been remarkable. And we're, I mean, we're all very fortunate that this happened at a time when the digital tools made it possible. I think even six or seven years ago, uh, the world would have really struggled to function in this, in this virtual reality, if you would. So in that regard, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm really proud of the team and, and the great work they've done. And if we look at over, you know, we look over the last year, dramatic improvements to our our app. The um, the app a year and a half ago was like a three point six rated app. It was okay. It's a four point seven rated app now. We've cleared a million app downloads. We have over five million followers in the social world. That is more than any other commercial enterprise in the art world. Hundreds of thousands of people shopping in the app every day. We've cleared two million uh, registered artsy members over 3,200 galleries in over 100 countries. And this, what had been a dream of the, of the artsy business a couple of years ago, being able to truly transact on platform, we now have over 100,000 works of art enabled for transactions. And that is growing in the hundreds of percent year over year. So we're, we're really excited uh, for the progress the team has made so far and, and what's to come. And you know, I hope we can do it in person again soon. I certainly miss everyone, but I just, I couldn't be prouder and, and more grateful for the, the team that we have, that they have, you know, th their motivation for this art world is very real. And they have really, really hustled this last year to make it all work. And, and they're coping while working remote. That's, uh, that's going well, or well, as well as can be expected. You know, Marion, I think um, for, for us as leaders, the, 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 physical and emotional health of our employees has to be an even bigger focus than ever before. And it is hard to wake up and work and have dinner and socialize and go to sleep in the same place every single day. It's something that we're really aware of. And, you know, a lot of our employees, they either have roommates or they have small kids. And this is, you know, last year has been hard, but, you know, my kids are, 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 are a little bigger and a little more self-sufficient. 
So it's not, it has not been easy. And I'm just, uh, as I said, I'm just, I'm really grateful to the team for their ability to persevere through all this. And I think what it's going to do, you know, the, something I'm very optimistic about is just the future of leadership in, in so many of our industries, because these kinds of challenges, this, this, this opportunity to show resilience and adaptability is, um, it is, it's what great leaders are, are made of. And, you know, I look around Artsy and I see a lot of them today. That's great. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a, a real pleasure. Marion, thank you. It's, uh, it's great to see you again. I've, I've missed you. I hope you're taking care of yourself and I hope I get to see you in the, in the real world soon. Thanks for listening to the Artelligence Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, share on social media, or leave us a rating and review. To get the latest art coverage, visit artnews.com or subscribe to our magazines, Art News and Art in America.